This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. He kept mentioning how I think his kind of like modus operandi was that rum brings people joy. He kept using that expression, bringing people joy. And I mean, I was feeling pretty joyous. Yeah, (laughs) yes. I was too. I, I I wish I could accurately convey how I felt when I had that first taste of that first one mm. of just, wow. Like, what? Like, what is this? Like, why have I never had anything like this before? Because this is good. Yeah. And you're telling me I can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is it's so representative of that place. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about rum agricole and kind of specifically an agricole style of rum made from Hawaiian sugarcane or ko. Yes, which is very exciting. Yes. We got to check out a rum agricole style distillery in Hawaii while we were there, obviously, called <laughs> Kohana. And the he we were referring to at the top was Kyle Rutner, Kohana's brand manager and minority partner. And yeah, it was really cool. Oh, so cool. So cool that we just spent a good 10 minutes trying to figure out how to get it delivered to the mainland. And it involves like going to different states and relatives, <laughs> friends. It's a whole scheme we're planning, really. Oh, but worthwhile. Very worthwhile. And the distillery was really pretty. Um, like 
green, the green of the sugarcane, and the red of the dirt, and the like blue and green of the mountains and the sky. Yeah, because they have their own sugarcane fields. Like we got to taste some fresh sugarcane juice. Yeah, and um, of course we got to do a tasting, and I think Kohana Rum was on literally, I think literally. Every menu that we went to in Oahu, from every restaurant we went to in Oahu, which I love. Yeah, all the, so many cocktails with it. Everyone seemed to be pretty excited about what they were doing there. Uh, yeah, um, and, you know, they're not a sponsor. We're nope. just fans. Yep. Uh, which brings us to an important point. Drink responsibly. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I had never seen sugarcane growing before or tasted its juice. Um, and I've only had limited experience with these agricole-style uh, rums. So the whole experience was just excellent. And this brings us to our question. Rum agricole. What is it? Well, rum agricole is a liquor distilled from fresh-pressed sugarcane juice um, that's been fermented, meaning you harvest sugarcane, smoosh out the sugary juice, and encourage yeast to eat those sugars and poop alcohol and flavors. Yeast poop. Yeah, and that leaves you with a sort of wine, um, something around maybe 8% alcohol that probably isn't very delicious. Um, so you run it through a still in order to separate the stuff you want to drink, mostly ethanol and water and flavors, from the stuff you don't want to drink, like compounds that are toxic to humans, like methanol and acetone, plus some of that water. And then uh, you, you age that distilled liquor for less or more time, either in wood if you want it to pick up those warm and buttery and scorched flavors and colors, uh, or in steel if you don't. Kyle actually explained the process more cleanly than anyone else I've ever heard do it, and believe me, for purely research purposes, I've heard a lot of people explain the distillation process. Um, but yeah, he, he calls himself a recovering chemist, which might be why. Uh, so I wanted to include some of that here. So what happens is we'll bring that 500 gallons of fresh sugarcane juice up, pump it inside of this tank, and then we're going to add the magic microbe, which is yeast. So yeast is what is going to consume sugar and create joy. Um, Yeast sacrifices itself so that we can all live better lives. So after six days, which is frankly a really long fermentation time for a rum maker, we'll pump it into our still. So up until this moment, we are growing cane, we're fermenting cane, and we're using a couple machines to sort of move the stuff. But all of what is happening would happen naturally no matter what. Cane's going to grow. It's resilient. If you have sugar accessible to yeast, yeast is going to consume it and do what it does. So this is all processes that, frankly, don't need us. They would, they would occur at some level. Like, we are, we are without you know, within reason, without a a job. All that matters, creation-wise, has already occurred. Distillation is concentration, fermentation is creation. So fermentation makes your flavors, distillation concentrates those. So you're not, when I'm distilling, I'm not making any of those flavors. I'm finding ways to concentrate and share them. Um, We talk about all the time, there's sort of four steps of what happens in any spirit, which is something has to be grown. You have to find a yeast that's going to consume the sugar that ends up being accessible. You're going to put it into a glorified tea kettle that we call a still and collect that. 
and then you're going to do whatever post-production stuff you get, which is maybe as simple as pouring it into a glass or flavoring it with a million different flavors and calling it popcorn, rum, caramel, marshmallow, marshmallow whatever. Um, you, have all, you have those sort of four steps and it goes, you know, growth, creation, concentration, and I don't have a good one for the last one, sharing. And that's, that's the steps. But this is a little different from how you make rum. Yes. So rum, without the agricole distinction, um, is what happens when you distill fermented molasses, which is a byproduct of refining sugarcane juice into white crystallized sugar. Uh, Molasses is very sweet and sort of rich, but as with any processed product, you wind up kind of flattening the flavor. So between these two products, uh, rum and agricole rum, you're dealing with just a whole different flavor palette. Like where rum tends to be mostly just candy sweet with flavors from barrel aging or additives, uh, agricole has those candy notes along with these vegetal and savory and floral or fruity or citrusy or grassy notes from the fresh sugarcane, which is, after all, a grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, sugarcane will be a whole other episode. By the way, we did discuss it a little bit in our two-parter on sugar from the way, way back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely want to revisit at some point. Rum agricole is spelled with an H, R-H-U-M, because that's the French spelling. And this style of liquor was first popularized in the French Caribbean. Kyle talked a little about the differences between the two products. So the process of crushing sugar is actually the first process that you would use in making granulated table sugar as well, uh, once, once you've actually got the stalks of cane. It's a really straightforward thing. I mean, you could, you could muddle it down, you could pound it with mortar and pestle and get the juice out of it or whatever it is. We have a, a simple, uh, what's known as a roller mill. There's just four circular rollers pressing down this cane as tightly as it can. You want fresh, clean, gorgeous juice, which means cut it, juice it quickly, and juice it simply. So it's just a roller mill. And then, you know, for the differences between sort of what we do and what ends up happening with molasses-based rums, that's where the starting material ends for us. And then we start the distillation process. You would be boiling, bleaching, processing, and then collecting the remnants as your starting material on the other side. So while, you know, I'm obviously, I come from the side, much like the French, where you name your own thing something beautiful, like rum agricole, and call everybody else's something terrible, like rum industrial. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's, that's maybe not the angle to take. Like it's rum traditional is what I like to say. And, and there's, there's an angle to the molasses rum that's super cool. But for us, it is, it is really romantic to be juicing a fresh plant and using that as our start. Oh, it really does make a difference. Uh, We talked a bit about a similar product made from the fermented juice of fresh-pressed cane in our uh, Caipirinha cocktail episode, Uh, the main liquor in that being cachaça. And, yeah, its production is very similar to rum agricole, but cachaça is a specifically Brazilian product. Haiti also produces a similar product, uh, Clairhum. I'm bad at French, but it's something like that. Clairhum. Thank you. Um, though that only uses wild yeasts for fermentation, um, which get into the juice from open air that's allowed to interact with the juice. Industrially produced yeasts uh, tend to add very few flavors to ferments, 
Most are bred for efficient alcohol production and clean flavors. Uh, one of the things that we actually nerded out about at Kana is that they primarily use this local yeast that grows on cacao. They, they got some local farmers to help them propagate the strain that they use. When we very first began, it was sort of serendipitous. We ran across a farmer who was trying to get the local communities of cacao farmers to buy into using cacao yeast to make chocolate. Chocolate's a fermentable as well, like all great things in the world. Yeah. So he was like, oh, I'm going to provide this cacao yeast. This is what we're going to do. He didn't succeed. And he came to the distillery because he didn't succeed, which is awesome, because he needed some rum. And he actually started talking story with our guys at the time and was like, we were going through yeast experiments and more traditional ones like champagne yeast, like stuff like that. That was all what we were meant to go with were all these like industrial yeasts which I would be lying to you if I didn't say we do finish with industrial yeast if necessary. So it, it does get used, but it's not sort of the, the beginnings of what we do. So there's a, just like any good scientist, they separated off a bunch of yeast from the outside of a cacao plant, propagated it out and can basically give us vials of fantastic, funky cacao yeast. And that's what can start the fermentation for what we do, which is pretty dope. Um, what kind of flavors do you feel like you, you get out of that yeast that you wouldn't get from more traditional? You know, it's funny. I don't know if I would say we, we couldn't get them because there's so many variables, sure, but course. it definitely lends itself to more, more like raw flavors. It, get, it allows the cane to be a little more like outgoing and less sort of like subdued. Like I don't, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, yeasts out there are, are so clean they're so like perfect oh yeah they're so carlsberg you know yeah like, and, and that's super cool that that's possible that you can do that of course right. but it's also super cool and you can be like look this is wild this is like this is a whole different thing so especially for us doing a closed top fermentation to have something that starts the process with some of that like needed sort of natural funk to it yeah that's that's what it brings Rum in general, both molasses-based and cane juice-based, doesn't have a lot of labeling regulations here in the U.S., unlike products like whiskey. That's because traditionally the U.S. hasn't produced a lot of rum. There's been no economic reason to regulate. We talked a bit about this with Chandra Lam Lucariello, who's the director of Mixology and Spirits Education for Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits of Hawaii. Rum is kind of like the wild, wild west. I mean, there's not a lot of regulation, like not like, you know, when you have like tequila, it has to be made in Mexico. There's a certain, there's a nom that it has to follow. Um, wine has their different rules and regulations. With rum, you can call it like añejo and nobody really knows what that means. It could be <laughs> a different definition to three different distilleries and you'd get three different answers. Um, so it's kind of just appreciating the specific distilleries and what they're doing behind the scenes to make their rum special and the care that they take um, in making it. So Kohana is produced in uh, Kunia, right on Oahu. And they've actually done a ton of research, like just gathering all these different varietals of sugarcane that came on the original canoes to um, Hawaii. So they have 32 different varietals of sugarcane that they grow there. And then it's very grass to glass. They just let the cane grow. They harvest it. They press it. They do a wild yeast fermentation with wild yeast cacao from the Big Island, and then they just 
let it age and that's it. It's a very, very simple process. And you really taste that like earthy grassiness. So the coho that's in your glass um, is that kohana rum that's aged and used bourbon barrels. So it has a richness to it and it's beautiful. Let's talk more about those flavors. Uh, Yeah, because all of that lack of regulation around rum means that rum sold in the U.S. can have added flavors, colors, or sugars. Agricole styles tend to be just sugarcane juice, so they tend to not be as sweet as we expect rums to be. We, along with super producers Andrew and Dylan, discussed our tasting experience at Kohana when we got back to the studio. It's an agricole style rum, which means that it's made directly from the pressed juice rather from molasses, which mm-hmm. many rums are made from. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there were white rums there that are just so flavorful. Yeah. And and vegetal. Yeah, like grassy. Yeah. But in a beautiful, beautiful, bright way. Yeah. I've never had anything quite like it. It was so good. It was so good. The two of you, I know. There's oh. a bottle. Yes. <laughs> I know it. Yes. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> there were dark rums as well, and there was also a liqueur, which is very lovely. Yeah, yeah. A coffee-related? Or maybe, like, you were supposed to put it in coffee? It came with that rum cake. I remember that. In retrospect, I think we were talking about their uh, kokaleka, which is made with Hawaiian honey and cacao, which I'm pretty sure they source from our friends at Manoa Chocolate. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, there are rules in place for rum agricoles out of certain places, like the AOC for the product out of French-controlled Martinique, uh, just like sparkling wine from Champagne. But yeah, there's more leeway for rums in the United States, so you have to do a little bit of research. It's been a barrier for entry to rums being considered on par with whiskeys here, I think. But that's starting to change. The sector has been experiencing quite a bit of growth as interest in craft cocktails, craft liquors, and just in general higher quality interesting ingredients has risen. Mm -hmm. In 2018, sales of premium rums, the category that rum agricole falls under, went up by 28.5% according to the Distilled Spirits Council. While rum agricole production has long been mostly confined to the French Caribbean and other French territories like Réunion off of Madagascar, some distilleries have started producing some here in the U.S. In states that grow sugarcane like Louisiana, South Carolina, California, and of course, Hawaii. The U.S. imported the first bottles of rum agricole from Martinique only about 15 years ago. So this is pretty impressive. And recently, the company behind Campari purchased Rumantil SAS, which is a French company that produces, among other things, three rum agricoles in Martinique. Persistence Market Research forecasts that the rum agricole market will be valued at uh, $1.3 billion by the end of 2019. Ooh. Apparently, in parts of the French Antilles that grow sugarcane, Rum agricole is so cheap, plentiful, and well-loved that some of the big producers sell it in two- to three-liter boxed Mylar balloons, pretty much like box wine. Oh, man. Yes, and they call it bagricole. <laughs> oh, I, why is that not in my life? Right? Oh, I don't need that in my life, actually. That would be a dangerous— Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. It would, we'd have to have a big group. Yeah, that could be an only four parties purchase. Yes. Like, we need to get rid of it tonight with a bunch of people because <laughs> I can't have it around me. But anyway, uh, it's also frequently enjoyed in a cocktail called tea punch or tie punch, perhaps. Um, small punch is what that translates to. 
Typically, this is a 100-proof white rum agricole, simple syrup, lime juice, and a lime slice, traditionally served in a short glass, no ice. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that is all. I read it's often served deconstructed, so, you know, different pieces, allowing the drinker to decide the level of sweetness and strength of the ah. drink. And hmm. there's even a saying in Martinique about this process, chacun prepare sa propre mort, or each one prepares their own death. <laughs> Please write it. I want to know if that's true. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we talked a little bit about this cocktail as a, as a precursor to the daiquiri in our daiquiri episode, but yes. This style of rum has been popular for over a century in the French Antilles as a result of the island sugarcane industry trying to find a way to use up all their sugar to make rum when threatened by competition from cheaper beet sugar. More ah. on that in the history portion. Mm-hmm. The sugarcane industry has played a big role in Hawaii's history as well, but that didn't really translate to rum. Here's Justin Park, owner and founder of Bar Leather Apron on Oahu. Hawaii doesn't have a long, like, history of rum culture. Sure. You know, um, like a lot of the Caribbean does. But sugarcane, like, sugar was our our main export for a very long time. So sugarcane was there. It was just processed in a different way. I wish that we created something like the daiquiri first, and we had, like, a Hawaiian rum and um, which we do now. There's a few distilleries making rum, but something more along that line, where it's like it's like pretty simple. Three right. ingredient, like a yeah. daiquiri. A lot of people seem to be of this opinion about the daiquiri. Yeah. Versus the Mai Tai. Yeah, a lot of people said that. Oh, we're we're about to do a cocktail episode. We'll have to talk about that more then. Absolutely. And so, yeah, like many things on Oahu, rum is a product that isn't exactly native, but it's certainly well embraced. Uh, But how did we get here? Well, we'll get into the history of rum agricole, but first, we're getting into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, rum history. In the smallest of nutshells. Teeny tiny. Yes. In 1493, Christopher Columbus. Oh, that guy. Introduced sugarcane to the Caribbean, probably starting with the Bahamas or St. Dominique. The areas that are now Barbados, Jamaica, and Brazil were the first to produce rum, making it the New World's first distilled spirit. Sugarcane made it to Martinique somewhere around 1650, which is also just a couple of decades after the first wave of French colonizers started settling there. And by the end of the 17th century, sugar production surpassed that of cotton and tobacco on the island, the previous two big crops. Mm -hmm. The port city of Saint-Pierre became a hub for sugar and rum production. Rum distillers were often situated near ports so that their product could be shipped to France as quickly as possible. A lot of credit for refining of rum distillation on Martinique frequently goes to two French priests, Jacques Duterte and Jean-Baptiste Lebas. Duterte arrived on Martinique in the 1640s and is touted as the inventor of a distilled sugarcane juice called eau de vie, which translates to water of life. When the middle of the 18th century rolled around, rum was being made widely in the Caribbean, South America, and even New England. Side note... Some drink historians believe the rum sling to be the world's first cocktail, but as you can imagine, oh, that is a highly contested <laughs> title. A lot of argument and debate about that one. Oh, that is that is an episode for a whole whole other month. Yes, not right now. <laughs> not right now. Uh, backing up a bit and looking at Hawaii specifically, uh, when one of the waves of Polynesian settlers arrived on Hawaii's shores by canoe about 800 years ago, one of the plants they brought with them was ko, uh, sugarcane. The heirloom varietals found on Hawaii today are descended from these plants. Uh, By the 1600s, it had spread widely across the islands. It was planted in clumps or rows or as a border around taro fields to help with irrigation. Co was highly valued, both medicinally and as a foodstuff. When James Cook arrived, he traded iron for co. The first sugar mills started operating in the 1830s and a century later employed over 50,000 people and churned out one million tons of sugar Per year. It is hard to overstate how much this industry shaped the islands and and how much it shaped uh, the sugarcane that was growing itself because varieties that were the most efficient for producing milled sugar largely pushed out all the other perhaps more interesting varieties. But um, yes, okay, back to the Caribbean. For a while, rum was made in pretty much the same way across all of the islands. Um, Producers took the cane, crushed and boiled it until they had sugar. Molasses was a byproduct of the process, and not wanting to waste an opportunity to make money, folks fermented this molasses and used it to make rum. The skimmings from the boiling process were blended with the molasses along with some sediment from the still, which is called dunder, by the way. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which differentiates the resulting rum from colonial American rum, where typically only molasses was used. Ah, Okay. Um, uh, Rum in the Caribbean changed, though, in the 1800s due to a few things, but perhaps largely due to some shipping blockades and a volcanic eruption. 
Um, <laughs> so let's 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 unpack those a bit. Uh, starting with the blockades. So France and England were at war in the early part of the century, and blockades made shipping sugar from the French Antilles to France difficult and expensive. Napoleon's solution was to promote beet sugar in its place, since sugar beets were grown in Europe. And his plan worked. By the 1870s, reliance on sugar from the French Caribbean had substantially decreased, which was just devastating for the sugar industries based on these islands. Like, plantations closed, workers lost their jobs, entire economies that had been built on this sugar fell apart. The plantations that continued to operate no longer had to put in the effort of separating sugar and molasses, since refined sugar was no longer selling. So they instead were just like, well, we still have these stills, let's ferment this raw cane juice. And so not only was the process simpler this way, but producers got more alcoholic yield out of it. Um, you also have the outlawing of slavery by all of the European colonizing nations throughout the first half of the 1800s and the Industrial Revolution ramping up, um, influencing how rum was made. Another thing that changed the rum world was the adoption of the column still on the French islands, particularly those stills designed specifically for maximum alcohol extraction from the sugar beet. Rum agricole producers further tweaked these stills to lean less toward alcohol extraction and more toward flavor optimization, hmm. eventually arriving at what we now call a Creole column still. But what about that volcanic eruption? Okay, so in 1902, there was a catastrophic eruption of Mount Pouli in Martinique. It obliterated the port city of Saint-Pierre. Over uh, 30,000 people were killed. It altered the course of the island's history and, um, and changed how geologists understand volcanic eruptions. It was also the deadliest volcanic eruption of the 20th century. And it destroyed most of the larger molasses-based rum distilleries, which, in its own tragic way, made room for these smaller agricole-style distilleries to fill that void. World War I also played an important role in French rum agricole's history. French rum production was severely hindered during wartime, and the French islands upped their production and exports to make up for that. More and more people in France grew familiar with and fell in love with the distinct flavor of these rums. Expecting a similar increase in demand during World War II, rum agricole producers churned out a lot of product only to run into blockades that made exporting tricky. So now with a lot of rum, they cast it and voila, aged French rum agricole for the first time in large-scale stores and for the first time available as a premium product. Still, molasses-based rum production didn't start fading on Martinique until the 1960s. These days, only one is still in operation on the island. Oh, wow. Um, meanwhile, the California gold rush in the 1840s and 50s pushed for greater sugar production in Hawaii. And then, yet another war helped Hawaii's agriculture industry, the Civil War. Um, due to blockades of exports from the South, sugar prices shot up 525 percent in 1864 alone. Whew. And as we talked about in our Welcome to Oahu episode, this lucrative sugar industry led to the U.S. overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy at the end of the 19th century. Um, but then, by the 1960s, the rise of tourism and shifting production methods and market prices for sugar basically bombed the commercial production of Hawaiian sugarcane. I mean, after all, it's wildly expensive to ship things to and from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, the last mill, Hawaiian Commercial and Sugar, wouldn't close until 2016, but yeah, it was on its way out for a long time. Yeah. 
1996, France awarded that AOC status to Martinique's rum agricole, granted that they meet the criteria laid out in the document, which the document is very long, by the way. It's very extensive. It's been updated, I think, twice yeah. within the past 20 years. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's wild. It is. It's kind of funny. It's just one of those really dry things that I really appreciate. Somebody took the time. <laughs> to, to really, yeah, go like, not other kinds of yeast. This one. This one. And that's it. And around 2004, the first Martinique rum agricole was imported, yes, to the U.S. And just last month, in September of 2019, uh, yeah, Campari Group acquired that French spirits company, Romantille, which produces three rum agricoles. So could agricole be coming to more shops near you, American citizens? I hope so. Oh, right. Um, yeah, I mean, after all, uh, Campari Group was not entirely unresponsible for the boom in Aperol spritzes and the availability of that and other Amari. Plus, I'd say the boom in bourbon. They acquired Aperol's maker, Barbero 1891, back in 2003, and then Wild Turkey, the bourbon maker, in 2013. And the Wild Turkey buyout was definitely like amidst an existing American renaissance of bourbon drinking. But man, did Campari make Aperol a thing here. Yeah. Uh, also, one of the barriers of French Caribbean export to the United States has been bottle size. The standard European liquor bottle is 700 milliliters and the U.S. standard is 750. <laughs> <laughs> and expanding a production line to include a new bottle size has been too expensive for small producers. But that would not be a problem for Campari. True. Not, not at all. Mm -hmm. um, supposedly the first target market for their agricole rums is going to be France. But, oh gosh, I hope it opens up the market for the product here too because I only brought one bottle back with me. Um, oh, yeah. And I as, brought zero bottles back <laughs> with me. And I have many regrets about it. <laughs> I really need to track down some of the stuff that's produced mainland side. Yeah. Try some of that, too. There is uh, some controversy around some of that stuff. Um, and I don't I, – all I know is it's based on, like, fresh-pressed cane juice versus, like uh, – Evaporated yeah, cane yeah, juice? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But not not that all of the ones in the mainland do that at all. But I just know sure. that some Yeah, do. I know that, like, one in California uses evaporated cane juice yeah. and, like, have had to kind of defend themselves against detractors. Right. Yeah, definitely I'm planning on going – the next time I'm at a liquor store, I'm going to see if I can find – because I don't think I've ever been known to look for oh, yeah. rum agricole. Yeah, me neither. Um, by the way, I, I read that bottle size thing mm -hmm. in this French and Spanish magazine called Rum Porter, Le Magazine de la Culture Rum. Oh, man. Which – Rum Porter. Rum Porter. That's so good. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so good. Huh. Um, anyway, we do have a little bit more for you, but first we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! 
Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we thought we would take a, a quick moment to look forwards to the future. Ooh. Because, first of all, as we said at the top, the rum agricole market is growing and improving. And secondly, distillation is relatively new in Hawaii. Here's Kyle again. All right. Barrel aging. I, I, try, I try really hard to tell a lot of our story as, I guess, as kindly as I can. I've been in the industry in Hawaii for the past almost 20 years and spirits manufacturing here generally revolved around shipping something else out here, either redistilling it or just bottling it and putting a Hawaii name on it. Um, We were adamant about getting outside of that and changing the way sort of the bottom line was done and showing people that while yes, it's expensive to be out here and shipping and all of these problems exist, we ought to be doing things the best way possible. And barrel aging on site, our own distillate was a big part of that. And it's frankly, it's, it might be the sole reason why I jumped ship fully into this. I was in bars and restaurants beforehand um, and going to a full real barrel aging program was, was a big, big move, not just for us, but just for Hawaii. So that's pretty cool. Um, and also, the tiki cocktail trend is still going strong. Thank the heckin' heavens. I love it. Um, I, it, is, it is problematic in some ways. Like, I do wish that people with no knowledge of Polynesian cultures would stop uh, willy-nilly appropriating imagery and names, you know, without so much as, like, Googling first to make sure that they're not being silly at best and offensive at worst. Um, but, yes, uh, rum is perhaps obviously a big part of tiki cocktail making, and agricole rums are poised to really add depth and breadth to the category. Um, here's Kyle again. There's, I guess there's two, two ways to look at that question. So first of all, we have 36 unique varietals of Hawaiian ko. We will eventually have used all of them for single varietal rums. Right now we have 12 of them. So you've got 
Kea, which is sort of the most common of the Hawaiian canes. It means white. It's just like more most traditional. You have Pili Mai, Popa'a, there's uh, Manulele, which is probably our favorite and the one that kind of got us into doing this. So for us, some of the excitement is like sticking to values and ex sort of expanding upon them. So it's like getting, getting rums made with every single cane and really knowing what the fermentations with every single varietal taste like, what the distillation really, and, and get all of that humming. And, and, and frankly, that's like a lifetime project. That's not a short thing. Um, it might even be a multi-generational type of project to really get into it, right? If you think about what are really the greatest distilleries in the world, the greatest vintners, the greatest brewers, it's not a single generation. It takes a long time to learn a lot. Um, and anybody that pretends that it doesn't is, is out of their mind. So that would be part of it. The, the two other sort of, I guess, aspects that are, I don't know, important to me is that we're, we're always improving. I talk a lot when I, when I you know, get drunk enough uh, about how our rum will never be as bad as it was today. <laughs> and I think we have great rum. Yeah. But like what was made today will actually be our worst rum that we've ever made. It will be worse than any rum we make going forward. Like you have this, like you're, you must improve. And that's not like growth improvement. Like you have to make more, you have to do this. You get better. And like there's, there's this, I guess it's synchronized. Like you're, but you're improving. You're like, you're, your day is the same, but somehow you're doing it better. There's a little bit of like sort of the Japanese mentality of that. That brings us to the end of this episode. Man, do I hope I can find some good rum agricole around here. Uh, and just a heads up, sneak peek, we are going to be talking a little bit more about some of this stuff in a future episode we're doing on uh, cocktail culture in Hawaii. Yes, absolutely. Yes, so keep your eyes and ears out for that one. But in the meantime, you can email us at hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Thanks to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard, our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis, and all of our interviewees, and also Michelle McGowan-Rice of the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, Dan Sakamoto Paiva of Put It On My Plate, and Joy Goto and Maria Hartfield of the Hawaii Visitors and Convention Bureau for putting us in touch with all of those interviewees. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. What you're looking at here is all of the production space that we have at Kohana Distillers. So you're looking at four fermentation tanks back there, all named Latina. I tease my distiller and call them each an individual Tina. So I've got Tina Fey, I've got Christina Aguilera, I've got, you know, different, different Tinas uh, represent different uh, fermentation types. He hates it, which is why I hope you guys make sure it gets on the podcast. <laughs> Love you, Tyler. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.